thank you again for listening to episode 10 of Misinformed Nation for August 1st, 2021. Hard to believe half this year is well gone by and done. Joining us, Sir Spencer, Wolf of KC. You can check him out on all his shows that he does, bowlafterbowl.com uh, or Ablecraft. Not sure what the URL for that one is. And I'm Booberry, Mothman of the Miniocalypse, coming to you from this beautiful August day. Hope everybody out there is enjoying themselves. Oh, yeah. I couldn't quite make out <laughs> what you're saying, saying there. <laughs> I said, it's, uh, it's available in the podcast index. The Ablecraft podcast. And that's uh, A-B-L-E-K-R-A-F-T. That's right. And uh, I've heard that uh, Sir John Fletcher will be joining you soon on uh, Slapping the Bass. He is. He's going to lay some bass down all over your face down. Mm, blast it. <laughs> yes. All over my face. All over. No doubt. No doubt. Hey, it's good to finally make it back to Misinformed Nation. Thank it's been you. a number of weeks since uh, I've been around. I've just been running around like a maniac every weekend. No doubt, between the new baby boy and starting up some other projects, and then you had the yep. uh, KC meetup yesterday. How was that? It was great. Yeah, I guess this weekend isn't really an exception to running around like a maniac. <laughs> but, uh, I decided that, damn it, the maniacing would include misinformation this weekend, uh, which has resulted in... A little less sleep than usual, but that's fine. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> I uh, I crossed over. I crossed over that threshold. Turning thirty, and Friday oh, Friday yeah. night, I was out by like six o'clock. <laughs> oh damn! <laughs> I slept for fourteen hours straight. <laughs> hey, welcome to the beginning of your fourth decade on Earth. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. I'll appreciate that. Appreciation. Uh, there was a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, I don't have a quite the um, presentation prepared. I just wanted to kind of throw this out here. I know this we, we've discussed this on the side outside of the show. But I don't really ever see um, a position for this particular show where we would um, accept uh, monetary donations, i.e. cuck bucks. I think... The ultimate plan is once everybody gets set up on a node, and I know this is on me and Lavish's shortlist to get set up with Voltage, mm. I think this will be a show that we're only ever going to stream stats for. Um, so it, yeah, I think, I think it lends itself well to that, especially when uh, the splits are relevant at an item level, you know, so you can change them every show. Mm-hmm. Um, Right now, it's kind of, I don't think any of the apps use that yet, but it's planned to, in the future, kind of be the the way to do it. And it's no extra cost to host the show through uh, PodServe, so I'm not, um, it's not really costing any extra in any, oh, nice. yeah. in any avenue. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's nice. I really, uh, I really enjoy the guys over at PodServe. It it seems to be a small enough operation where I can reach out 
to the main dude who has his little hey chat me up here on my on, on the homepage. Nice. I like that kind of operation. Yeah, man, it's cool. Uh first I had asked him if he would uh install like a color change to the web players. And uh he ended up implementing a dark mode player, nice. which is really cool. Dark mode for life. Oh yeah. And then the other one was I had asked him about the JSON files for uploading chapter um, information, mm-hmm. which wasn't implemented. And then a week later, there it is. Nice. Being the squeaky wheel over there. You know it. He was like, yeah, you know, <laughs> people never really ask for anything, so we don't really know what to do. And <laughs> I was like, oh, oh sh- shit, man, I'll ask all the fucking time. <laughs> Direction is what you need came to the right place oh yeah oh yeah i'm sure one day i would love to tackle self-hosting but uh with all the spinning plates i'm oh man (laughs) basically running on a treadmill Mm. have you made any headway with uh switching over to castapod i've not uh i've installed it on a unihost server that runs on a raspberry pi in my basement but uh the import feature is not working and uh I'm not going to import, I'm not going to like upload 96 shows <laughs> just one at a time. Right. It's when I have a full RSS of like everything that I need already built out. So I'm just waiting until the import feature is ironed out. Right on. Well, I'm excited to see uh, see the final product. I'm sure it's going to be a big fresh of breath air. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Can't wait to fresh my breath. <laughs> oh man, it's gonna be clean. It's gonna be so clean. <laughs> Stop burning that fucking dirty RSS, man. <laughs> oh damn. Well, it's only the two of us joining uh, joining this episode, so we got uh, we got quite a few clips lined up, um, and then we had a pre-show discussion, and I think Sir Spencer is gonna kick this party off. Yeah, I felt. It was appropriate, you know. I I heard the last uh, episode nine you guys did with Fletcher, and uh, I know Chris. You know he likes he likes to laugh. He's a guy that has a lot of fun, which is cute, you know. I, I think the technical term is a chuckle fuck. Chuckle. <laughs> That's, a That's a beautiful way to put it without being you know too unnecessarily rude or anything. <laughs> it's okay. I'm a but, big old chuckle fuck too. I mean, you know, I like to do my best to pull at least one show that just kind of is, I don't know, a little more serious, a little more, you know, lending itself to something that attention should be drawn to or, you know, uh, people should be thinking more about, in my opinion. Or, you know, I mean, there's a lot of shows out there that just shit on other shows, you know, and. When we started this, we wanted to be a little bit something, a little bit more, I guess, I don't know, positive or enlightening. or The antithesis of uh, what are these podcasts? Or who something are the, like that. Who are know, these podcasts? <laughs> so I figured coming back, it would be a good idea to just get something a little bit more uh, spiritually uplifting, I guess you could say. And uh, so I'm going to start with my off stream clip and uh, you can give us the intro to this great show in clip one. Oh 
man, here we are, another episode of Hot Boxing with Evan Breton and Mike Tyson. Today we have a special guest, man, a New Yorker, man. 100%. Tell him Joey Diaz. Talk to us. What's man. happening, Talk people? Hell yeah, uncle, Joey. The champ, Mike Tyson, <laughs> straight from Cuba, 205 West 88th Street. <laughs> so here we got, you know, some fellas that are bringing attention to some serious causes and, uh, you know, really putting the work in. I think um, it's great. You know, Joey Diaz and. Uh, Joey Diaz and Mr. Mike Tyson do have several things in common, which they discuss on their uh, episode. So, hot boxing in general uh, is just Mike's podcast, and he talks with, by the way, some very fascinating individuals, uh, some very enlightened individuals. Uh, but in this next clip, uh, you know, in, in in the intro, Diaz mentioned, you know, they're both from New York, and in this next clip. Uh, I think it's kind of apparent that uh, you know Joey Diaz has been through some serious uh, issues, and he's overcome uh, a lot of uh, you know turmoil and strife in his life, as we find in clip two. I used to go to Jersey City to hang out. I went to Bob Hurley's basketball camp when I was a little kid. He was a coach at you know his two kids played for yeah. Duke. And he had a basketball camp there. And I used to go to movie theater, and I got stabbed there. Yeah, because that's a real crime yeah. infested neighborhood. I got stabbed there <laughs> when I went to neighborhood. Richard I was going to say, that's a real bad neighborhood. <laughs> Richard Pryor live on the Sunset Strip. Yeah. And I went and got high, smoking pot with my friends, and some dude cut me through a sweatshirt. So, fuck. That's what it's like. Dude. Tremendous. Getting stabbed is no bueno. I'd rather. No. rather it's, it's tremendous. Face down a guy with a gun than a knife no doubt yeah it's coming through the sweater it's tremendous uh and it is tremendous too you know what joey diaz has, has come through it's just his life experience you know it's it's almost like he has several lived lifetimes and um in the next clip they actually uh diaz kind of talks about another thing that uh brings them together himself and mr tyson which are sort of the connection to the Italian-American community. Okay, when I moved to New Jersey, the neighborhood man was Carmine Balzano, God rest his soul, and he took me into his house, even though I was Cuban. He had three, four other sons, and one of the sons died, and I kind of replaced him. So whatever the sons got, I got. That gives you a different type of feeling. It was the 70s. Ain't no, ain't no spick or no black dude gonna walk into an Italian's yeah. house. But they didn't look at it like that. We got saved by somebody Italian. So they both kind of uh, were rescued from these rough neighborhoods and uh, scary lifestyles uh, by men in the Italian-American com community. Uh, they got a lot in common, these two guys. So they found a lot of common ground. Uh, and Joey Diaz, he's kind of a guy who's... I think drawing attention to the right causes and the right issues of our time. Uh, here I am in the next clip. He's kind of uh, talking about fertility solutions, you know, because that's gonna that's a kind of a rising issue. Is uh, people are worried about fertility and the use of fertility clinics are on the rise. And uh, Diaz gives some kind of advice, I guess you could say, uh, when it comes to that issue. Theo Vaughn's father was 72. Wow. 
72. Who's father? Dio Vaughn. You got to yeah. get that motherfucker in here. <laughs> oh, yeah. That stories, too. Yeah, he's amazing. He's amazing. But Dio had him when he was 70. His father had him when he was 72. God, man, a newborn. A uh, Spanish dude. That Spanish they blood. Keep fucking that Spanish high. sperm. You get, they'll knock <laughs> they you up in the fucking fucking. casket. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You get a Puerto Rican with good genes. You jerk them off in the casket. Boom. You got twins. <laughs> You know, so there's, I mean, there's solutions out there. There's options out there. People don't have to feel abandoned or, you know, uh, lacking. Um, and I just think it's really heartwarming what, what Mr. Diaz is coming up with. Uh, another area that uh, was discussed um, definitely needed these days. Uh, legal advice for uh, some nonviolent offenders to stay out of jail, you know, because sometimes you get drug tested. Uh, you know, you're a working class guy, you need a job, but the job's got the drug test. Or maybe you're on probation and, you know, your PO demands a drug test. Uh, and so Mr. Diaz has, like, some legal advice for how to stay out of jail in those situations. It's you know? funny because I fucked my drug counselor. <laughs> when I was in When I was in the halfway You're house. The when I was in the halfway house, there was this badass counselor. When I got out, she used to piss test me. And I was putting I was pulling my I'm uncircumcised. So I was pull, pull the skin back on my dick. I was snorting coke like a motherfucker. And I said, What cleans up your piss, Mike? What cleans here. up your piss? Pool cleaner. So I would take pool cleaner and grind it uh, down on a cheese oh, grinder. Pool cleaner? Pool cleaner. What's those, that? those pills that you put in the fucking what disc the and they fuck? float around the water. I would shave that down. I would pull the skin of my dick back. <laughs> I would sprinkle pool cleaner on my dick <laughs> and pull the skin over and put like a little bread tie at the end. Oh, and man. I would go take a piss and I would pull the skin back and the pool cleaner would go into the piss and I would fuck <laughs> up the piss test. Um, you don't turned, understand, my did team. It huh? Did it, <laughs> it would just go. And one time I put Drano in that motherfucker and the thing started foaming. But the, the dude couldn't catch what I was doing. They knew I was fucking up the machine. Mike, but they couldn't catch it. So you know, this is a good way to to fool the system, fool the test, and and they they can't figure out what's going on, uh, which is which is just great. Uh, he also goes later. Uh, that's that's my last clip from this particular show because uh, I wanted to make sure that we're on time and everything. But uh, he also goes on and further in the episode and talks about some other creative ways maybe to make extra income. Um, and just a lot of, you know, street smart tips out there for, um, for any interested listeners. So I thought it was a great podcast, you know, it really brings awareness to things that uh, you need to think about. And, you know, it really shows it's not just all about chuckles and laughs all the time. You know, we can, we can be serious too on this show. The, uh, the only one from the top of my head, I've, I've, caught that uh, from hot boxing i mean is the one with the rfk jr phenomenal uh, show phenomenal fucking episode he's got he's got everybody from all over you know so there's like the rfk jr one he's got a william shatner oh uh, shit Waka, akon ti freeway rick ross is a really great one. Oh, i bet um, evander holyfield eminem i mean I could go on. He's got a lot. I watched the Roseanne one was one of the first ones I watched. That one's really great too. Um, yeah, he's just a guy that really gets the, the, the big heavy hitters, man. It's a lot of fun. And, uh, this is great. 
Yeah, to to hear such a beast of a dude talking about the pigeons that he cares for. Right. Pretty phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, especially in his older age, he's kind of becoming like enlightened Mike. And uh, I guess, I don't know, I don't necessarily need this to be like a huge love fest. I, I would say that uh, he's kind of got the sidekick on there that just sort of is there to try and maybe quote unquote keep it on the rails and uh, say the obvious thing, you know. He He's a former NFL player, right? Yeah, I believe so. I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head. Hashtag me too. <laughs> He's on there. Though. I know what he looks like. Yeah, <laughs> looks like a looks like a big kind of refrigerator shape type of guy. You know. Yeah, long hair. Uh, yep. Do you do you know off the top of your head if this is a weekly or like a biweekly or if I there's? I don't any- believe so. I don't think so. I think it comes out as it comes out because I it's been. Uh, like what two or three years of this stuff at least i want to say um damn now now i kind of want to look it up episode one looks like uh oh here 2019 yeah so two two and a half years is when it started ago and yeah they come out kind of periodically or sporadically i should say very cool definitely gonna have to circle back to that one kind of slipped from my mind because i was at the at the period where I'd found it, I was just looking for RFK material. Well, you know me, I like a good uh, tearjerker, kind of heartstring tugger sort of show. So, mm-hmm. you know, previously I was kind of like apologizing all over for it, but I don't know. I got I can't apologize for being me. You know, I just got this little light of mine, baby. Just got to do you, boo. I'll let it shine. You know, so. <laughs> That's such a great song, by the way. I just want to point that out. (laughs) I think me and Mike Tyson do have a lot in common in that way, man. We just got to let our lights shine, you know. Yeah, and then to catch Uh, the flip side, the stories of him and (laughs) Steve-O, parties locked in the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, A full-ranged man. No doubt. Um, So then... My on-stream clips, I'm sure this will also come as no surprise to anyone, but uh, I've been listening to Podcasting 2.0. Uh, they're going to be like, Spencer, you only clip Curry shows. What the fuck? Hey, man, there ain't no rules here. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God. Cause if, if there were, man, we would be in so much trouble. Yeah. Someone should, <laughs> someone should get this shit together, but I don't we think I will. Scared. We would just have like our whole dashboard just littered with tickets. Oh yeah, no doubt. I I I even have some tickets coming down the pipeline for myself this morning. So bring them on. Oh nice. Oh yeah, nice. dude. Weird. I know. I heard you guys. You guys broke several rules on the last show, and I th- I think part of the format of the show is to come on and like break rules that we have created the illusion that exist. Yeah. <laughs> to make sure everyone's like aware. No. No, that just looks like a rule, but look, look at this. Look when I do this. Nothing happens. It's like um There's no authority to enforce these rules. It's so. kind of like the mullet of podcasting because it's business up front, <laughs> party in the back. No doubt. No <laughs> doubt. Um and yeah, maybe what we go for in the beginning isn't what we end up with at the end. Hey man, maybe, as long as we're still doing it, that's uh are we, are we even going for it in the beginning? <laughs> Like nobody can figure it out. Nobody can figure it out. Keep them guessing, man. Um, 
except for when it comes to what clip I'm going to pull on stream, because that's going to be podcasting 2.0. You already know. And I want to say, uh, just kind of as weird use casey stuff, while I was uh, pulling clips for these uh, from this show, I streamed sats to take the clips, which is just kind of like uh, an interesting way to tip the... Uh, producer of your content if you're going to clip it for a show and you can stream sats to it to clip it you know that's like a little way to almost pay for the content that's in a value value for value style way kind of brilliant yeah Um, i could i could see that being a a big boost case right there right Hmm. yeah it's just like i probably should go back at all these time stamps of where the clips start and like boost at the beginning of each of them Cause they get that info, man. They get they get the timestamp of when it was boosted and all that kind of stuff. Just because they, you know, they got the marvelous Dave Jones programming everything, so they can look at all that stuff. I guess I could too, but I'd just, you know, I'd have to also code it. Well, I do have a question that I want to ask you about the this particular process, but let's hit the clips. Okay, let's get the clips first. Now. Um, Basically, the reason I brought these particular sets of clips is because I wanted to kind of have a discussion and pick your brain over how to what extent do you agree or disagree with this sentiment? And um, maybe I won't lead the witness too much. Uh, let me just uh, let you intro it in clip one. Tell you what I expect. I never, I never expect to see the word tip or tip jar. Seriously, I hate it. I hate it. Explain why you hate it, though. Because I don't work for tips. Nobody should work. Value for value is antithetical to tips. A tip is, yeah, the service was good. I paid for something. I'm going to add something on top. That's a tip. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or you're really just demeaning. I I also don't look. I don't like it when uh, someone in a restaurant, when I give them a tip, I'm giving them value for value. Now, that's just my mindset. Uh, so I, cl- I ended the clip right there, but Curry very much hates this phrase or this term tip when it's applied to the podcasting 2.0 world and when you're sending a, um, let's say a boost, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't like the tips thing. Uh, you ever work for tips? I have not. Um, I really wonder if Curry has, and I'm interested in other people's feedback too. Uh, Spencer at Bull for Bull.com. Just genuinely, just genuinely. Because to me, it is funny, and uh, I'm going to try to get to the humor of this too. But uh, it's also, it feels like a little two-sided coin, and on the one side is ant fucking, and on the other side is something intangible, but that's a little deeper, I don't know, either emotionally or mentally or psychologically with this whole concept of tipping because he keeps on, I mean, you heard him in that clip kind of almost arguing with himself where he doesn't like to, it's clear that he doesn't like the word tip. It's almost clear that he has like disdain for the tipped class or something, something. And I don't know if that's quite it, but he always like stifles that right as it's about to come out. Like in that clip where he was like, you don't work for tip, you know, and then like change the sentence before quite finishing it. But he hasn't 
really said that like if you make tips you're filthy or like that working for tips is demeaning but like he is sort of implying it or maybe he believes that inherently or something now i have worked for tips in a lot of different jobs um and i'd say just as a server with the you know in a food restaurant that's probably like the most slavish one um but also some of the jobs that i've worked for tips are my densest income meaning like the most i can make if you break it down by hour for sure and i kind of wish that real estate agents made tips to be honest with you uh because in a real estate transaction you kind of have the the commission right and it's like like a percent number that people are kind of aware and mostly all people and all parties are trying to like untip you or like hey can i shave that off hey will you shave that off for me kind of a thing like that's the attitude in real estate can you hook me up and kind of cut some of your commission <laughs> but nobody's ever like oh man you made that smooth like here's an extra 500 you know or whatever which i'm not saying uh, necessarily that should be the case always or people should feel that way but it just would be nice on the receiving end to remove that ceiling and to me in my mind i've always equated working for tips with value for value and he almost says it himself a couple of times in there like he's like when i go to a restaurant and tip i'm thinking value for value so he is making that statement but also arguing against that sentiment and this whole tip thing when i first heard it it really caught me off guard and quite honestly it rubbed me the wrong way because and i i am I'm, I'm not really on a firm position either way of it but the way i kind of feel is that it's sort of too petty an issue to like try to make this big deal out of in my opinion and it's something that's came up on no agenda as well yeah he did talk about it on no agenda also and he he's been kind of talking about it making the rounds i noticed too it did come up on mofax but he didn't mention that it rubbed him the wrong way he said something about a tip. Like, he used the word, and I was like, oh, surprising. But then he just went on. I don't think he wanted to hash it out on that on that, on that show. But I'm just trying to figure it out. I'm just trying to get to the bottom of it. I'm not trying to, like, say one thing or another, what's right or wrong. I'm just, uh, I think maybe it's not a hill to die on. Uh, let's just go to the next clip, and we can kind of pull out more examples of what I'm talking about. This was uh, clip two? Clip two, yes, sir. So if I'm doing a podcast, a boost is understandable. And if, and if you're sending me a boost, it should say so-and-so boosted at this, at this time. Right? That's a boost. Is, is, yeah. Do you consider a boost to be a tip? Because then we have a fundamental problem in our marriage. Yeah, I do not. <laughs> I do not consider a boost to be a tip. All right. I consider a boost to be a boost. This, so how do you feel about that? Is a boost a tip? Or is it a boost? A boost? Um, ah, man, I feel like we're we're splitting micro hairs. Where? Yeah, it's it's ant fucking, isn't it? Aren't they interchangeable? Couldn't you say? Because he was like, you should get a boost, and then it should say who boosted and like the amount and the timestamp. Well, you could get a tip, and it could say who tipped and the amount and the timestamp, right? And for me, a tip jar is this bottomless jar that you set out 
that you, it is an ask. It's a nonverbal ask. It's a nonverbal ask. Like when you're working a wedding bar, dude, and you just have a big glass tip jar and then you put a couple $20 bills in it and then a one, one $1 bill and a couple 20s in it. And that's what I do. And I prime that tip jar and then people stuff 20s in it. People palm me $100 bills sometimes. It just depends. But you're in there working the room, you know, and you're working that value for value and you don't have the ceiling. You're not asking people and they get into this a little bit later. It's kind of funny, but it's it just kind of was like it made my tummy do weird things when he was like, we might have a fundamental issue on our marriage if you like disagree with this about me you know what i mean yeah that that one that one came a little sideways (laughs) it's a little curry humor but it's also slightly diva-ish like way to take it you know and i'm just kind of like i'm thinking adam like relax man it'll be all right it'll be okay it's just the tip (laughs) indeed indeed um so between that clip and the next clip Dave kind of explains that in the TLVs that are being sent, one is called the tip TLV, which is the little, the lightning uh, value message that's sent, like the invoice uh, every time something is sent over. Uh, And I think it was developed for Sphinx, but he said that part of the actual namespace or language of the L and D thing that's happening, the lightning command that's happening is called the tip TLV. And so he was saying that, you know, cause Adam was pretty much like, why do they call it a tip jar and curio caster, you know? And Dave was sort of like, well, he probably got the word tip from this TLV that happens when you do a boost or whatever. Uh, and so that leads into clip three. I think I'm, I'm, inadvertently picking up the one that's the tip. Right, but you have rewrote the words tip jar, not curio caster. No, that he wrote that. Okay. What? Wow, that was uh <laughs> you did this. <laughs> right. Dude, it's like he wants to find out and then it, it, it gets worse, bro. It gets worse. Sorry, I just wanted to point that out right then no. and there. <laughs> yeah, feel free to pause and jump in too. Uh I'll take it back. No, that he wrote that. Okay. Well, then he needs to come to the headmaster's office. Jesus. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that turns me so far off. That is like the instant dick softener, bro. <laughs> he needs to come to the headmaster's office for the spankings and spankings. It's spankings like, will continue until morale what? improves. Is that is that really how this is uh, going to be rolling out forward? Is like oh, man. people are going to have their like <laughs> three letter word language policed by the headmaster's office? Is that what's going down? I don't. It that's why that's why I'm interested in exploring this issue further because I don't know. I think there's a deeper source of something causing this. That just kind of made me raise my eyebrows a little bit. You know what I'm saying? I've, uh, I've got, I'm, I'm working on how to phrase it. I'm, I'm hoping that by the end of these clips, I'll be able to get out something kind of succinct. Yeah, I'm hope I'm hoping so too. That's why I, that's why I want to bring this because I want it to be explored and it's definitely something that needs to be talked about, but I'm just not, I'm not really sure uh, this weird, like 
the headmaster's approach or the highway kind of ways that even if even if we all do agree that let's not say tip ever again even if we agree on that maybe this isn't the way to go about it for a bunch of guys who are sort of have a rebellious streak and tend to distrust authority right um (laughs) yeah i'm just i'm just trying to be a helpful little dude in the corner man that's all that's all uh clip Oh, clip three hasn't fully played out, right? Yeah, I'll I'll actually let it go this time. Okay, I think it's <laughs> close. Take it back a second. Master's office. <laughs> Ruler I, I, on the knuckles. I, I I know I'm anal about this, but it's really important. And I and if anything, I have a little bit of um, ownership of the value for value concept. Mm-hmm. It's it's key that this is not seen as tipping. Tipping has always failed. Tipping me, I wouldn't call that a huge success. Uh, When I see Jack Dorsey talking about tipping on uh, on Twitter, I'm like, you're stupid. That's buy me a coffee. um, Buy me a coffee is different. I I mean, here's a here's a wild two directions it's going right. So for the first part. Now, to say that tipping has always failed is horseshit, okay? I, myself, have known several strippers over my lifetime. Uh, I knew a stripper who was broke on a Wednesday, worked a Thursday, a Friday, and a Saturday, and then bought a car on a Sunday with cash, just without borrowing money. And... You know, you might obvi- there's the obvious counter argument to make, like, oh yeah, so you're just going to demean yourself to be a stripper for tips. It's like, mm, no, what you're going to do is have options and freedom. That's what I'm trying to say. And uh, with my bartending gigs, the ones that are nice weddings in certain settings, you know what you're getting into, and you know how to work the room. And that ceiling is removed. I think that's like the whole point of the value for value is that you're not limiting yourself to some set amount or you're salaried like, Oh, some of my worst jobs were salaried because then they'd want you to come in and do extra bullshit and you would never get compensated extra for it. Other or, duties as assigned is uh, typically how you see it in the fucking contract language. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Or when you're, you know, contracted by gig and you're like, okay, well they can, they can throw the biggest extra load on me, but it's already set how much money I'm making, you know? And that's not really a big motivator necessarily either to outperform yourself. Um, now, it comes down to work ethic, and I always put my best foot forward, but if you're working a room and you're in that tipping situation where you know certain people, and, you know, everybody, everybody's not tipping. It's like the value-for-value value model where you have to say, oh, a certain chunk is never going to pay me a dime. But I'm working the I'm working the big boys. I'm working the ballers anyway. You know, um, I think it does. I think it has a lot of crossover in my mind and in my experience with the whole value for value model. And now, granted, I'm just a peon. I don't have any ownership of the concept. Uh, but I think if there was, you know, public shares in it, I would buy some because I would like to have a little share in it. The uh... One place that I always, 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 always will find myself tipping is when it comes to getting tattoos. Tip your tattoo artist. So embarrassing. I didn't know that was a thing when I got my first one. 
Yep. It's, uh, I, you know, I, I, a, I don't I know a, where it comes from. Um, but sorry, go ahead. Well, I, when I got my first tattoo, I had a coupon for a free one. And it was just a free two by two inch, whatever. And I was a dumbass, like with, it was like my third day living in Columbia and going to Mizzou. That's why I got like a Mizzou paw print, which is just hideous and fucking very, I don't know, tattoo regret. But <laughs> I also didn't know why the guy was being such a flame and fucking asshole to me. Uh, I went in there with uh, these two girls from my hometown and we all got these free tattoos and none of us knew that tipping was a thing. So like all three of us just got free tattoos and walked out of there and didn't give them a dime. You know what I mean? <laughs> and um, that tattoo parlor like closed a year later. <laughs> uh, and is there a correlation? Hmm. I was just a naive 18 year old, but like I learned some lessons there, you know, I was like, Oh shit. In hindsight, like, that's probably why they were so rude to us because we were like rude to them first. And but they also never said anything, you know. They never were like, uh, "So you just gonna stiff us on the on the work then?" You know? Right. What did we know? We're just dumbass kids away from home for the first time. We have coupons that say free tattoo on them. So like, I don't know, bro. Have I you uh, have you gotten a tattoo since then? I have. I got one other one on my back that I designed myself that uh, feel a lot better about. Nice. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of avenues to consider uh, how long it takes, how crisp the artwork is, whether or not they really beat the needle in there and just turned your arm into, or whatever body part into raw hamburger. <laughs> right. Um, how cool are they? How uh, if they had to design the original art? You know, I've went I've went in and found a little. It was just a skeleton climbing out of a coffin, but I was like. Can you take this and make it like super ghouls and ghosts for the SNES? And he did, and it's like got this sort of like kind of uh, quasi flaming heart feel to it. Nice. It takes place in a graveyard. It's my favorite fucking tattoo, and it was just this little two inch image on one of their flash sheets. So I think I ended up paying him how much it costs for the tattoo is how much I had tipped him, uh, which was like. <laughs> 300 bucks? No. Nice. Like 275 maybe? Got 100% tip. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because, you know, I, I love it. And that I'm fully happy with this being on my body for the rest of my life. Nice. Yeah, that's definitely not where I'm at with the paw print, but <laughs> I want to get, get it redesigned or, you know, covered over and worked, worked into something else eventually. But it's one of those th thousand things on my to-do list. For sure. Uh, shall we hit a clip number... Uh, what was this for? Oh yeah, yeah. So in the last clip, he ended off uh, in a head scratching position of pushing back uh, when it came to shitting on buy me a coffee, which raised my eyebrows because it's like, isn't buy me a coffee Patreon but with an extra low ceiling? Essentially, it's like uh, it's like, hey, if you like my stuff. Uh, give me a tip that costs one coffee, you know? Like, that seems sort of... And I think it surprised Dave Jones, too, as you'll hear in clip four. I like buy me a coffee. You're saying, hey, I'm doing this anyway, buy me a coffee. Mm -hmm. that's, a, that's, that's, valid, that's, that's a very understandable transaction. I like that a lot. But tipping okay. and tip jar? No. It just, it really irks me. <laughs> Can you tell? 
<laughs> okay, Stephen, there's lots of displeasure here. Uh, this needs to be fixed. I'm triggered, but this this is an absolute trigger word. It's worse than pod, okay? I can live with pod. Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> Me and Dave Jones are brain, brainwaving. <laughs> right? Yeah, and I thought the same thing. I was like, and he even admits it himself, you know, it's triggering for him. And so this is where I was kind of like, oh, man, you know, like, who hurt you for tips? That's what I wonder. Like, was he ever tipped? You know, was he worked in a tent position? And if so, was it just busting tables? Because I can tell you, man, busting tables fucking sucks. And then you got to like wrap silver at the end of the night. It's like the worst, man. Uh, anytime you're busting tables, it's because you just need to connect a, uh, some money in the short term and you're trying to like flip it into something else, you know, like even at a restaurant, if you're working the tips, busting tables, you're pretty much hoping to become the bartender at that place. You know what I mean? Like you don't want to just be a regular server making 350 plus the tips or whatever the hell you're making, you know? So in that sense, I can understand it, but I want to say that like to write off tips in general or to pretend like saying tip makes it small, like in my mind, I like the big ass tips. I like when a 10 top comes in and I can slap them motherfuckers with 18% automatically, you know, I know it's locked up, uh, that kind of a thing, you know, that tip is a, it's a whole hustle. It's a whole hustle in the same way that value for value is a hustle. And I just don't know what like is so feared or disrespected about the hustle. I'm just trying to get to the bottom of it personally. I So I I had said that I had never worked for tips. Uh all of my work uh for the past decade has been contract work for the most part. Mm-hmm. So I know that when I show up first day what I signed is what I agreed to do. And yeah. that can go in a lot of ways depending on who you work for. Because um, working at a theme park where they've got, like we said earlier, other duties as assigned written into the contract, guess what? Yeah. You're going to be doing a whole fuck ton of stuff. Yep. And uh, probably drinking your stupid face off every <laughs> night <laughs> trying to get through. I right. mean, whiskey by the bottle. Um, and then there's been other jobs uh, where the contract has a little more standing and it's it's clearly lined out what you're going to be doing. Um, but one thing that is consistent, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to make this tie, but one thing that is consistent is, in my professional opinion, the stagehand should never be recognized. The moment that the stagehand gets recognized... Something went wrong. Um, yeah. And one good uh, example of that is when you're in community theater or colleges or um, even some of the fucking shows at uh, Bush Gardens that I, I didn't personally work on, I probably would have said, no, I'm not coming out on stage to take a bow. Fuck you. Right. Um, one big thing is the cast will they'll give their waves to the music conductor who's running the show, they'll sure. th- thank stage management, and usually they'll throw a hand up to the booth. But I had a college uh, tech director point out to me, as like, we're all hired mercenaries, and we, sh- we don't need to be recognized. It's our paychecks that does the recognition. Sure. 
I like that. And I, I work with a lot of sound guys over time, like live audio sound guys who are up in the booth and it's the same thing. I mean, it's, I, I don't know. Do you include them when you're talking stage hands? Oh yeah. Cause that's kind of what I think of is the audio guy that you'd never want to actually even realize exists, right. you know, because then everything's going really well. Yeah. And it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, a. Uh, it's quite an experience to make a major fuck up and then you got a hundred so people turning around looking at you. Oh my god. And that's on the small side, you know? Yeah. I've seen it happen a couple of times and it never feels good, dude. You always want to die for that guy. Like you just want to die inside in his stead. So take me take me instead. Oh yeah. my god. This is horrible. Uh man. One of these days I'll have to tell my story of the show stop in Toronto, Canada because of lighting. Not a good day. <laughs> oh, God. Um, so I think on one hand, it's, I mean, like you said, it is fucking ants. Um, but Tip seems to have this recognition that you did something versus boost. I've always equated it more to like a Facebook, or excuse me, sorry stupid me feed bad like or an instagram heart sure you know i'm attaching value to this thing that i like specifically because what you said what you produced um it's like a woohoo at the same time as money that's what that's why that's why i brought up the strip club analogy because it's like a boost is like a tip in a strip club you know yeah and or even even to see a band and it's like flashy and it's like flying through the air and it's like, yeah, it's like adding to the energy, you know? It's like, I like it, I like it, woo! You know, and it's... <laughs> Making and it, it thunder on stage with loonies and toonies. <laughs> I really like it, you know? You're just like throwing wads up in the air. Like, that's like a boost to me. And, and when I hear tip, I don't fucking wrinkle my nose or think like somebody shit in the room and it's all smelly. I just don't, like... To me, that sort of reaction is just puzzling, you know? Yeah, because they are, it's it's just a thing about semantics at this point, because uh, they are legitimately the same thing. I agree. Um, and I, I, have, I have one more thought, but I'm going to wait till these last two clips. Well, I think that the danger lies in, because me, I don't really care. You know, it's not like I'm offended. Don't get me wrong on any of this. Like, I, I don't, I'm not mad about any of it or mad at Curry. I'm not like triggered in the way he is, you know? I just find it really interesting and I'm trying to explore it. But to me, there is a whole community of people who do work for tips and have, and they want it that way and they like it that way. And they uh, feel like, you know, powerful earth movers because they have it like that, because they can go do some gig work for three hours, let's say. And then they don't have to go back for a while. They can go back whenever they want on their terms, you know? They can just do a little bit here, a little bit there. Make the tips. Make the tips, because we like the tips. And the tips are great. The tips are fucking astounding. I mean, people sometimes people sometimes give you $500 just at one time. Kind of like the fucking No Agenda show, you know? Mm-hmm, and. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not trying to say that all of those donations are tips because that's a different culture that they've built and a different set of languages. But I'm not trying to say, I'm also trying to say if somebody approaches me and says, Do you accept tips? 
I have never, ever said no. I always accept tips. Of course I accept tips. If you got one for me, I'm fucking, I'm about it, man. Now, my one last question I wanted to ask you. Do you have a general rule of thumb when it comes to tipping bartenders? Um, yeah, I usually try to do like two bucks every drink kind of a thing, you know? I will definitely tip. I'm a, like a pay-as-you-go if I can get away with it kind of guy. I like to carry. I prefer to carry cash mm-hmm. and just lay it down as you go, because then you can't forget your card or anything like that. Uh, I also hate writing in the tip because it's like documented. And if you can just cash tip people and just like, I think two bucks per drink, and then that way you're good whether you get in my opinion, and everybody has a different philosophy about this, which I think is good too, you know? Again, value for value. But for me, whether I'm getting like a $10 drink or a $3 draft, I'm still typically just like slapping the two bucks down. Sometimes if I know I'm getting like beer after beer, then I'll always start with the two, but maybe like if it's like $2 draws, I'll be like $2 and then a buck on top, you know? Mm -hmm. Because that's sort of the expected hustle and you're going to be back for a lot. Uh, so it's a little situational. And then sometimes there are rare instances where I'm blown away or where somebody just does something super special. And I remember being in this bar one time. It was a summer. It was like some dance fucking number was on. I was hammered out of my fucking face. And then I like, go up to the bar and I'm like, I just really need a tall glass of ice water. Uh... And bartenders, sometimes they get a little pissy when you're ordering water, you know? Because mm-hmm. they just got to fucking give you a water. And you're like in the way of all these tips that are ready to come their way, you know, necessarily. Uh, and so the bartender got me the water, like right away with like, a, here you go, and didn't like roll their eyes or anything. They were like just into it. They were just like serving me as though I was anybody else, which I appreciated and I put a 20 in the jar, and I said, I don't know. I don't even remember what I said. I tried to say something like, all sage, like, you know, that water may be the one that saves someone's life in the future, you know, or something. I probably just said, uh, well, I was trying to be very, like, deep about it, you know, of just like, yes, you could, you're doing the right thing, you know. But I put like 20 bucks in the jar for a water, so it just depends situationally. And I love that flexibility. I like the ability to be able to be like, hey, you know, the the ceiling doesn't exist. I can I can reward the situation dynamically depending on the value I'm receiving. Does that sound like a familiar situation to you? Oh, yeah. And uh, I'd like to point out something Billy Bones just uh, shouted out in the chats. When you know the place is going to be hopping, tip the bartender big right at the beginning, like with a 20, and every time you go back to the bar, they will cut you in line and you get served. Oh, yeah. No doubt. No doubt about it. No truer words. They'll see you turn around from the other side of the room. They'll know you're coming. I know that for sure. He's absolutely right. No, it's, it's a way, and you're not like, it's a different kind of culture that's really interesting, and it there's no limits on it, and... I don't know. Yeah, you can maybe get special privileges and stuff like that, but that's how that's how value for value works too. You know, your big ballers or your insta knights or your knights and dames in general. When a fucking duke comes rolling through, you know, people snap at attention a little bit more because because that's just how it works. They're bringing more value in, they're getting more value out, and I think 
I'm just failing to see the line between tips and any other uh, funny word you can, uh, you know, replace tips with. And my last thought on specifically bartenders, when I was working at Bush Gardens, there was a local watering hole that the collective of the park would go and drink at every Sunday night. And it was always, it was just the biggest hype every week. This is like the night to look forward to. We get through every fucking day just to get to this bar Sunday night. And the bartenders, you know, he had a huge, huge, huge crowd every night and people were just throwing money at him. And I was really personable with him. And I, I tipped like a fucking maniac, mostly because I was drinking my face off. It always helps. And he would reciprocate all the time with free drinks. So I couldn't tell you quote unquote who made it out on top, but this was a really dynamic relationship between me and the bartender because I would tip like a madman and he would get me wasted like a madman. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So and it was it was all very consensual. I was very yeah. into it. <laughs> value for value again. Yeah. Rears the ugly head. You know? <laughs> I agree, man. No, I'm I'm seeing no uh, I'm seeing no line between these two concepts. I think they're one and the same. So in da- in clip five, Dave Jones delightfully judo moves Adam back around to his side, specifically on this buy me a coffee issue, and I found it just fascinating. I, I hope you find it as fascinating as I do. Take a listen. Is is it as bad as chip in? Well, chip in is just a joke now. Um, okay. Uh, but chip in, uh, if you ask someone to chip in, that is going to be $3 max. That's what a chip in, and we're conditioned. That's the, that's the ask. Look at all of the political emails. Chip in. Uh, and it's the, the left and right in the United States who use this term. And they probably all use the same firm who writes mm-hmm. these silly emails. Um, and it's chip in, which I've always laughed about because it really... It cheapens everything. Yeah. I've never understood it. Well, see, that's the way I felt about buying me a coffee, though. It feels like okay. I, gave, I just gave you, I just gave you two hours of podcasting of my day yeah, with but, research oh, yeah, oh, and all that stuff, oh, and you're going to buy me a coffee. If you ask, if it use, if you're using buy me a coffee, then you expect someone to send you the equivalent of a cup of coffee. Yeah, but that yeah, I get it, but that that shouldn't be. Tied to podcasting because, well, I mean, I say I don't like the word shouldn't. What, what I'm trying to say is that, like, if you take a, the cost of a cup of coffee at $4.50 and then you divide that by two hours, I mean, you're working for, you know, 10% of minimum wage. But what, what podcaster is doing this? What podcaster has buy me a coffee on their podcast? Scott Adams. Lots of them. Well, they're, they are really, they are really hurting themselves. So the last clip ended with them being like, yeah, it is kind of like buy me a coffee. Right? And I do like that. And then. (laughs) And how did he get there? How did he get there? Via chip in. Chip in was the leg sweep that woof flipped Curry all the way around onto his ass on buy me a coffee. He goes from uh, pushing back. I kind of like buy me a coffee to uh, check out this finalization in clip six where uh, you'll hear Dave Jones laugh in triumph and a little bit of disbelief at what he's just pulled off. If you just did two hours of podcast and a week of research and you ask someone for a coffee, 
how can you be surprised when someone gives you a coffee? <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> All right. Hello. Hello. I mean, come on. So, uh, then I, I don't know to, to wrap it up. Adam kind of tells the lawnmower story of this kid who's, uh, mowing his lawn now, um, in Hill country who was, uh, recommended to him by the guy he mentions who does the septic, uh, the septic guy. And I guess the kid came over for the first lawnmower session or to say, you know, Hey, I'm going to do the lawn mowing. And, and Curry was like, all right, what do you charge? And the kid was like, well, I don't really know. I just started. And it's like a record scratch moment for him where he's like, what? Like, what are you talking about? Like, you don't, you're showing up and you're going to do some work and you don't know what, you don't know what it's valued at. You don't know what you're going to ask for. Like, he's like, go back to your boss, tell him what you just said to me, wait for him to kick your ass and then come back with the number, which I will gladly pay, you know? But yeah, don't let me set that number for you, kid. Exactly. And that's what they kind of go on to say is like, if you let somebody else set the value for you, then you might be disappointed at the results i.e. buy me a coffee, right? Like somebody else is setting the value for you and you're just using this system. And same with the Patreon, I can see the allure of like, oh yeah, I can convince more people to buy me a coffee. I can p- convince more people to just please subscribe for four ninety nine a month. It's not really that much. But again, we go back to the tip scenario, right? Where the tipping is the aggregate number that you're getting through that night. So yeah, you're not treating everybody in the room like you are the big baller there is special uh considerations for that guy bringing you the huge ones the huge chunks but that doesn't mean you get to fuck the stiffers you know that doesn't mean you treat the stiffers with poor service you treat everybody with great service treat everybody like that they're at the party and you're bringing the party and um to me everything that i've learned working for tips and getting tips in my life over the past decade plus that I have done the tip stuff all totally perfectly correlate and overlap with this whole concept of value for value. And I'm just saying, you know, don't hate on a tipper. Don't hate on the tippers, man. Because I think that by being this combative about it and this insistive about it, I think it's very transparent when it, when that language comes out of like, well, I'm kind of the head mofo in charge here, so like I don't have to really necessarily have a concrete reason. I just hate this. Yeah, it's a, it's a little uncouth. It's just like, whoa, 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 man, hold on, calm down, take a deep breath. This is an open source project here. Like, There might be a bunch of people that we turn off with that sort of sentiment when it's like, why can't it be a fucking tip? Or it could be a boost, or it can be a doodle too, or it can be whatever the fuck you want to call it. And let's say that all of those things are it so that we get all those people who want to use those things in and integrated and they don't get alienated or feel like the way they think about it isn't good enough for the headmaster. Like, I just, I think the whole thing just kind of surprised me because, you know, Adam's a very freedom-loving guy and uh, it it made me raise my eyebrows that he was kind of arguing with himself there for certain clips, you know. It just makes me feel like... uh, there's something else at play, maybe a little deeper beneath the surface that we don't know about. 
so I hope I don't sound like too much of a moron, but what this kind of strikes me as is Adam and partners kind of spearheaded the creation of podcasting back in the mid 2000s. Yeah. And here he is. I wouldn't say that podcasting 2.0 is bleeding edge technology by any stretch, but it is really cool and exciting and different. I'd say it runs on it. I mean, you know, it's it's a rollout and still being created even. So like all of this, all of the things it uses are old for sure. And it's just a way, a new way of conglomerating everything and, and really just kicking the door open with the, the idea of streaming value. Exactly. Which is probably the most impressive part. Like once, once these apps figure out how to connect the live streams, it's game on. I, I agree. I agree. I, that's, and uh, I think it's just an, another domino to follow, another chunk of people that get in and figure it out because now they're use, now they have a use case that's relevant to them, you know. Um, and I think that a lot of people who work for tips, I mean, what he doesn't, I think, see for the foresee for the future of Tippin.me is like the sex work industry is going to be such a big motherfucking chunk of that. It's not even funny. Um, with with uh, sex worker Twitter, it's like a whole chunk of Twitter. You know, it's like a whole, um, what do I want to say? Like a subculture on Twitter. And Instagram. And they're going to have a, they're already working Cash App and OnlyFans and a bunch of different shit. Uh, if you give them a, a, yet another tool, it's just another tool. It's just another way they can receive what they're already receiving. Um you know, Dorsey would be a fool not to have something like that built in when he, when he already has companies that basically do that. But now he's just got a way where you don't even have to leave his app or you don't even, you know, the uh, the stripper you're talking to on Twitter, you can tip her. Oh, God. I know. Hold on to your drink. You can tip her in the very message or very tweet you're interacting with her in. You don't even have to leave. You just do it right there. I mean, for me... That's just going to increase the the flow of all of the value that's going out there. I guess what I've come to is I just wonder with Adam being in his 50s now, right? Uh, I don't think he's crossed over to 60. I could be wrong. I, I don't actually know when he was born. Um, but here he is. Unacceptable. Yeah, right. <laughs> Run me out of run me out of <laughs> no agenda town. <laughs> you <can say. laughs> um, but I just wonder with him being on the precipice with another group of like-minded individuals creating this new way to consume and appreciate content. I wonder if he's got this hang up about it being associated with the uh with the wage earner class. Um because he has worked for so long and uh you know he's you can always catch him and, and JCD it's like oh you know if we had sold out in the beginning we'd be rolling right now. Right. So I, I well, do I do wonder if there's like this I think there's a way to have it both ways is all I'm trying to bring up. I oh, think for that, sure. I agree. Yeah. And I, I don't even think he would disagree because, you know, he started out with saying, well, I think that buy me a coffee is good, you know? And before we got to chip in bringing him to fuck buy me a coffee, uh, he was basically saying 
that's a that's a transaction that people can understand. You, I give you this, you buy me coffee. Uh, and then he goes on to argue why you're going to trap yourself in doing that. It's kind of like getting into a Patreon only without any other, you only have the bottom tier option on your Patreon and you don't have any other higher tier shit at all. You know, you don't even have a higher ask. Your ask is just one low kind of uh, plebeian ask and there's no, you know, there's a ceiling imposed on yourself. And I just think you can do it both ways. Just like he's saying, you can do buy me a coffee, but you're going to limit yourself, but you can do that. You can ask your, you can ask for tips. And in that sense, I don't even think you're limiting yourself necessarily. You're just using a certain word and maybe your industry is already, you know, pre-juiced for that. I think if a bartender had a bartending podcast and he didn't call it tips, he'd be a retard. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> Here's your finger. There's your finger far from the pulse yeah. up your ass. <laughs> everybody who's listening likes to tip the guy at a bar and now they're tipping him online too. I just think that uh, this whole recoil in horror every time you hear the word tip, like it's, I don't, I don't find it a dirty word myself. I find it uh, a clean word. I find it a green word. I find it a, a juicy money word. I quite frankly would associate tipping closer to the value for value model than Patreon. I agree. That, Cause you're on Patreon. Um, you're, paying for additional content like this stuff comes at a price yeah it's like a member level or it and really it's a subscription model Mm -hmm. and so you're having just a bunch of different tiers of different concentrations of premium subscriptions but it's still a subscription which is still slavery you know if you abstract it out I, i i will you know full disclosure i am on one or two patreons um, and then I've signed up for the uh, Grimerica Outlawed uh, Plus, the, the full content. Um, yeah. And let me reiterate a couple of things. First off, I don't hate on any Patreon or subscription model. Like, people are going to do what they do, and they're going to do what works for them. You people know? make a killing off of it. Yeah. And if it's working for you, like, more power. Like, that's what you're trying to find. You're trying to discover your price and how to get it. And if Patreon is part of it and a subscription model type thing is part of it or a paywall, a content paywall, any of that, like that's the whole point of freedom. And that's the whole point of podcasting itself is that you have all of the options at your disposal and you can pick any of them without having to endure some kind of like shade fest from anybody. And then I also want to bring it back to Adam. Like, again, I'm not mad at Adam. I don't think he's like dumb about this. I think maybe he's like not being prudent or maybe maybe he's got an association thing going on. But I want to make it clear, like, Adam Curry is, like, if I had to pick a hero on Earth of, like, a real person that I look up to, it would be him, you know? And I think that's why it just stands out to me. And that's why I I, I really, I'm it, it's concern that made me bring this. It's just kind of like, it's kind of like, wow, can we step back and think about it? And, like, I don't know. I don't know how to approach it other than to start a conversation in some kind of corner first. Because I'm not just going to email him right off the bat and be like, Carrie, I listen to your podcast and I think I disagree with you on tips and I'm going to fight for the word tips. Like, I don't care if we talk, call them tips. I just, I just think it's not really prudent to shit on people who do at I, this point. Yeah, I, I think or the... Try to, or try to like flex some kind of authority over it, you know, like that kind of worries me. In, in as far as, like, the future of the whole project, like, 
let's I I kind of say let's not get into like the language police stuff, especially over something so pedantic as this, you know. Right. I I and that rolls straight into the head minister's term. It was like, wow, that's a that was just not something I would it, have ever suspected or expected to catch. It took me by surprise. It was it was uh is a little fashy, man. It's a little fashy. Just a little. That's all. <laughs> you never go full fascist. <laughs> No, I don't, I, don't, I don't think he went full. No, also, no. you have to appreciate too that like he is being hyperbolic and you know being a funny guy and using humor. It's not like he's saying every single word with seriousness. But you can tell with what he's saying. Like he admits he's triggered by it, you know, and you can tell it really bothers him in a in a way that even surprises Dave Jones, you know. So yeah, but uh, and surprised you in the same way. Surprised me when I heard it. I just it's like. It's like wow, this is this is one of the things that's really on the top of the priority list, isn't it? Like, how did it get there? Well, extra kudos for uh, Dave Jones uh, judo his way through that <laughs> interaction. That was oh, very man. cool. <laughs> it was it was it was a pleasure to hear for sure. It's just like fun to watch that kind of stuff, you know. Snappy guy, that dude. <laughs> he is a clever man, dude. Clever, clever girl. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's my on and my off stream this week. Well, cool. Thank you for bringing those. That was a fun conversation about something I've never had a conversation about. I love it. I hope I hope the emails start pouring in. Love, yeah. hate, all of the way in between. <laughs> um, I do. There was a little bit of uh, housekeeping I'd forgotten to mention at the beginning of the show. Uh, it's not out. It's not out yet, so don't get too overly hyped. But Gwyff, the King of Kent, uh, was rad enough to go out and. Purchase us a domain. Um, so once I can get my collective shit in gear, I'll start working on turning that into a website, and then we'll start pimping the shit out of it. Very cool. Oh, yeah. That'll, that'll be tight. Very, and that was like one thing that was just burning in the back of my mind, and uh, shame on me for never actually taking the time to have a conversation to see what people uh, wanted to go with. Um, but it looks like the domain will be informednation.net. So we'll uh, get that rolling. I think it worked. It's close enough to the name. Shouldn't be that too. It, it, <laughs> there's no weird spelling or anything. What I love about URLs is like you get the one right, but then you can get more over time to yeah. just point to the same place. Like I love what you guys have for loveislit.com because it's just so easy that redirects, you know, and, and there's the threes for ease, which is a, I think, a beautiful part of your brand. And oh, just thank like, you. it, uh, it just kind of illustrates like the wink that's going on throughout any given part of it. You know, it's like the wink and the reverse head nod, and the kind of like, oh, you're here because you're supposed to be here. You're not just some normie stumbling in from wherever necessarily. And it was also this is some insider baseball. I don't think we I've ever had a conversation on air about. Uh, it was sort of a tribute to the first host that we had starting out on that show, Monty. Monty was the guy that turned me on to Eminem in a big way uh, back in college. So the use of the um, existential quantifiers, which is the backwards ease, like Eminem yeah. uses, that was that was all solely because of Monty. So he had nice. a he had a big part to play in that. And, and then, of course, the no agenda with the thirty threes and the 
occultism sure. and esotericism. It just it it works out really nicely, and we can still have the same name as the Animal Rights Podcast that uh, <laughs> hasn't done a show for three years. Solid. Boom. Yeah, I, would, I, think, I think it's good, man. Thank you, thank you. I, you know, definitely, definitely, definitely love and always will appreciate for uh, what Metis did snagging that love is lit. It's very yeah. cool. It's just appropriate, man. That's appropriate. That's your that's your thing, man. You came up with that. You deserve the URL, bro. Let's see. Love it lit and go podcast. <laughs> love is light. Lit. Love th- is light. I don't know what he's t- saying. I think here. I think love he meant to, I think he meant to say love and light, but it came out as love is lit. <laughs> oh brother. Uh it's like the Schrodinger's cat of the show. Is it gonna be love and love is? Oh, can I tell you a secret, man? I hate love and lit. <laughs> it's just like not to the extent that Curry hates Tibbs, but like every time I like just kind of put my hand up on my eyebrows like this a little bit, and I'm oh, like, yeah. eh, love is lit though. Uh, well, I have some bad news for you there, pal. Love and lit is the correct vernacular. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> if the headmaster says it, I will obey because I'm a good boy. I'm a good boy. Holy shit. Well, I hope the headmaster's not listening for this one because I decided to go the spirit of of Carolyn Blaney and Fletcher and uh and be a little punk today. I'm gonna break some fucking rules. All right. All yeah. right, I like that. I like to hear that. So instead of bringing one on stream show and one off stream show, I decided to bring two on stream shows. What? Yeah, yeah can I I will. Because this is America, you dumb son of a bitch. Oh <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, let's go two on, two on stream shows. So I I've kind of loaded up my bag today. Um, I might skip some of them depending on how the conversation goes. But I've noticed a trend in one show that I've been listening to for a while, and uh, one show. Um, this was a no scope first one out the gate. I was like, holy shit, they're talking about the same thing. And that same thing is YouTube censorship through the use of community guideline strikes and bans. And it's uh, some of it gets a little hairy um, once you consider the full scope of what we might be going up against or even who we might be going up against. Mm. But to start off this party, I'm going to be bringing. Uh, clips from a reoccurring champ that is short for champion and that show is our big dumb mouth and this actually uh this series of clips covers episode nine uh, 9 19 9 20 9 and it will encapsulate their saga of dealing with the youtube bands here's here's uh the first one from 919 my name is Midnight Mike, and Cretchit is over there. I am until uh, somebody gets upset and says and claims something I said a year and a half ago is harassment. That's right. We're not on YouTube for people trying to see us on YouTube. You're not going to see us on YouTube for maybe another 7 to 14 days, depending on how uh, much digging YouTube does. We got a strike. A warning two days ago, and then we got our first official strike, I believe, this morning. And that means we can't stream live, post to YouTube, use the community tab, 
or do anything with the channel for seven days. Now, the offending clip was uh, a Jeffrey Epstein clip initially that we were talking about about a year and a half ago, year ago. And they, it was sometime in 2019, yeah. Yeah, so I, I clipped out a segment from a show and I posted that up. So they took that was the initial warning. They uh, then found the original clip that I took the, the, the uploaded segment from and struck down uh, that show too. So we got basically a double whammy for essentially the exact same information. And it appears as though they're just digging through everything that we've done and going down a checklist. They don't want us there. It, it seems pretty obvious. Our show is fairly even keel. We're not, we're not uh, doing anything or saying anything too crazy, really. But no, I, I don't think that... I, I've definitely seen more aggressive shows, and uh, OBDM is about as com uh, comedical as you can get, I would say. But the whole idea of you clipped one thing from a previous show, and because that content was in the two separate episodes, you get one strike per, was kind of insane to hear. It's You would imagine that... Well, I mean, it's fucking YouTube, so I guess they uh, make their own rules up as they go. But you would imagine that it was it would just be the content of that one specific, uh, quote-unquote, offending piece of information that would get you struck. Yeah, it's, it's like a little double jeopardy there, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Double jeopardy, That that's a great way to um, phrase it. Because you get three and you're gone. You're out. And See, I, uh, when I got busted in the dorms in college... I had uh, three tickets written to me. Uh, it was possession of paraphernalia, possession of uh, like dusting of weed, so under 35 grams was the charge, I think, officially, and MIP, uh, MIP weed and paraphernalia. And what I experienced was I was referred to student services, uh, judicial services, which was like a part of the college body. And they handed me down some, a number of community service hours and some classes like that I had to take and some kind of probationary thing. But then I was also issued citations, uh, community service hours, and fine by the city. Oh, Jesus. And so I kind of felt that was a uh, double whammy. Like just because you're in college, then you've got the double jeopardy of, okay, you have city... Uh, shit to deal with in city court and then you got to go to this judicial services student kind of court like for the same like the same thing like what the fuck yeah that's no bueno and this feels like the same thing to that you know well this next clip is uh, from the same episode and I believe this one gets into a little more on what they were talking about on that uh, offending clip honestly there's an appeals process I didn't even try it because I know if you try to ask can you please point me to a timestamp of the segment or the word or phrase in question? They won't do it. They'll tell you to read the community guidelines. Mm. So. Uh, so what if you were to uh, respond with just simply Black Lives Matter? Mm. <laughs> that might work. Uh, that might uh, uh, ruffle some feathers. But uh, yeah, I think it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a little late for that. Yes. A little late for Black Lives Matter, you think? Uh, for doing any sort of appeals process or, or begging and pleading. We're of, of, no, of no consequence to YouTube. We carry no weight. 
uh, were insignificant in the grand scheme of things. And uh, YouTube has made it clear uh, in the at the end of 2019 uh, with our demonetization that uh, they don't like channels like ours on there. And we're just a goof around conspiracy fun time show. Yeah, we talk about serious topics every now and again, but it's mostly current events. And uh, we, we try to have as much fun as possible with some of the darker topics. Fuck them. All right. I was totally mistaken on that one. Um, you know, one of these days I'll get the foresight to actually have some handwritten notes. <laughs> I tell you, it'll change your life. That's even what I, I, I liked you playing the clips of mine today. And I noticed when I've been listening to the episodes I haven't been on, uh, and you're playing all the clips, I kind of liked the flow. And so I was just like, you know, mine's a little bit janky as far as the setup with the mix minus right now. So I was just like, yeah, let him play the clips. And then I have this little notebook paper, so I don't I don't like give anything away in the titles of my clips. I just number label them, and then for every number, then I've got my like one to two lines of little notes of like how to set it up or what's going on in each clip. And man, it kept me on track. I I feel I felt I felt lubricated, man. Yeah, I was definitely on the receiving end of that lubrication as well, and uh, <laughs> definitely make it a point to start. Start making that a practice, a process. It's very slippery and very hot. Oh, very hot. So hot. <laughs> Gotta do it, baby. Um, paper notes. All right. Well, yeah, paper is king. Sorry, I didn't mean to totally derail that. <laughs> if you would add notes, you wouldn't have let that happen, you know? You would have just been like, no, wait. That is true. But, uh, you know, the... The appeals process, that, that's something we'll touch on with the other show. It sounds like it's a big fucking joke. Oh, um, yeah. Because you're up against, um, you're, you're competing against faceless bots, you know, not real people for the most part. Yep. Um, there's a whole convoluted <laughs> process that it takes to get to a person. Um, I always wonder if for most accounts, like the default setting for escalation is also automated. The only time I've really been through appeals of content removal is Facebook and and Instagram both and it's both for of course nudity mm. and uh, it's just sort of subjective and I wonder if it's based on like people who hate your guts reporting certain content more than anything else because I've had uh, you know stuff that's way more let's say explicit or uh, whatever that stays up while something a little tamer will get taken down, and it doesn't really always seem uh, Consistent. consistently. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, you know, if there's like anything sheer over your titties, then uh, you can have it. You know what I actually learned on Instagram is they do allow for full birth videos, like nothing, nothing hidden at all, nothing wow. censored at all. Did you have to go out searching that information, or is it something you came well, across? I I followed my midwife, so I was looking on her TL, and then I was like, wait a second, this looks like, and I tapped it, and I was like, yep, sure enough. Hmm. That's I interesting. Like, That's full cooch, bro. <laughs> kind of reminds me of the naked yoga. So if the baby's emerging from it, then it's okay, but they'll put up like a content warning, but then you can click past it. And I was like, wait a fucking second. Well, then why can't we just have a content warning for all of it? Why ban anything? This is pretty much as raw as it gets right here, man. That's why uh, we should all sign up for Mastodon and Pleroma instances. Get away from all that shit. No doubt. Uh, here's my next clip. 
I'm going through old uh, videos on uh, YouTube for the uh, NPR account and flagging them for harassment. Thank you. Which is, I mean, like, let's consider this in the grand scheme of things. <laughs> you can go and catch a fucking Don Lemonhead. And uh, he's like, oh, well, if you're unvaccinated, then you can't get a job and you can't go to the supermarket and you can't do this. And you can't do that. I mean, it's I know that I'm only stating the painfully obvious, but it's a little one sided. No doubt. Well, that's a good uh, Sololinsky tactic is uh, force the opposition to play by their own rules. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, uh, I think it's, it's a smart one. I think it's a smart one. Some people would be like, "Well, that's fighting fire with fire," or you know, you're just participating in cancel culture. But I mean, fuck them. Hey, man, take their take their fucking dark arts magic and flip it on them. I ain't got no Feed qualms them, with yeah. that. Feed them their own fucked up medicine. Hmm. I was gonna do that. Thanks. Thank God someone's doing that. But they have to be at least two years old. That's the rule. <laughs> I just got insufferable. An, I just got another notification this this morning that they took down another one of our videos. I don't know if it's another content strike yet, but this current strike they say is lasting until October, and they took down oh, wow. a video where it was Joe and I in 2017, 2018 talking about Joe Rogan and Mothman and sex robots, and they flagged that one for cyberbullying and harassment. I guess we were bullying Joe Rogan. Excuse me. Or the sex robots. Yeah, I guess maybe that's it. They don't want us talking bad about sex robots anymore. And uh, I, I had the foresight to go ahead and clip out that most important part. They don't want us talking bad about sex robots anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Man, there was a few ISOs I wanted to pull out of my clips, and I didn't while I was getting them. And so there's a little piece of me that's aware that I'm in, at huge risk of never, ever pulling them now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Get them before they're gone, man. Oh, man. Luckily, my note's still on a physical piece of paper right here, so I can. I, I know that it could be done. We don't want to build a kingdom of regret. We want to build a kingdom of sick ISOs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, here's uh, And this is from episode 920, so half of a week had passed between the initial two strikes and then this other video getting pulled down. And... Um, I mean, like this, I I didn't go back to watch the video because obviously I wouldn't have been able to find it. But like, again, quote unquote cyberbullying Joe Rogan. What about all these fucking hit piece articles that have come out from major publications? Like, oh, Joe Rogan's he's too big to cancel. Bar 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 bar. Hmm. It's fucking asinine. So I don't know if it's a new strike or or not. It says one strike right now but the, i just got a notification they took down another video for the exact same reason why we got our first one so what i'm trying to say is people uh it's all happening and uh this is not just happening to us and crescent brought up a good point in the discord which is isn't it just coincidental this started happening when joe biden decided to come out and announce that he and his regime is going to start flagging things for social media uh, regarding disin disinformation and misinformation? Well, and more okay. than that, they're, they're like coordinating with them. I mean, the, what was Saki coming out the other day and saying, oh, we're we're not doing it. We're just sending a list of suggestions over to YouTube or to uh, Facebook specifically to go after these people. And I'm chocolate, like, that chocolate. sounds like, you know, like government censorship. And to me, that just sounds like we're going to be on the right side of fucking history. That what we are doing is so dangerous that the government has to collude with 
the big social sesame platforms in order to shut down dissenting voices. And it sucks to to hear, and it's not just OBDM, it's shows like Tinfoil Hat and Grimerica, and I mean, Jamie Deluxe got put on, I don't think it was the ADL, but it was something close to it, of um, this huge list of hate-offending content creators, and Jamie Deluxe is just some dude making fucking videos in his garage, you know? Like, we all are, whether it be a bedroom, a basement, garage, so on, so forth, doesn't matter. Um, But it is... it sucks to hear because there is a lot of work and there is a lot of eyes that are devoted to YouTube, but it just tells me that whatever we're doing, we're doing it right. I agree. Uh, this next one comes into episode nine twenty two. Uh, this was a this one was a little bit of a weirder episode. He uh, Midnight Mike had brought on um, a gentleman who had started the show off with him back in the early days. Like I think they had said within the first couple of episodes, he had been there and done it up to the two to 300 range. Um, guy has a lot of energy. (laughs) It's kind of a point of conversation for this episode and the following episode. And, um, you know, it's sometimes maybe don't party before you podcast. It makes it a little hard to, to uh catch everything that's going on but um it still is cool to see this reunion um here's 922 we will no longer be broadcasting or streaming live to youtube because we got two strikes and that means that we are definitely not able to upload or post community comments or do anything on youtube for two to three weeks and if you're wondering why there is no more OBDM like episodes on YouTube, I went through and, de- and deleted like 95% of everything we had up there. I did that. And then 24 hours later, I started getting more community strikes. And I found out in the terms of services that YouTube will review and evaluate deleted material. So even if I deleted my entire channel, they can still review it and give you strikes against, against deleted videos. And that just screams to me the memory hole from goddamn 1984. Because even when they thought that they were deleting the, uh, Winston was deleting this material and like he had, um, I think he'd ended up trying to like burn pages from his journal or something down the memory hole. I'm, I'm a little fuzzy. Um, the party ends up bringing that material back to him and, and it's used against him in the later half of the book, right? Yep. So. Yeah, and this whole thing is just a it's a losing formula we call communism. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's been tried a lot of times. Trust the, the plan, reason, man. The reason it never works is it's antithetical to the human condition, which is freedom. Freedom and responsibility is like the actual natural order of things. It's how we are supposed to be. And uh the authoritarian control that is what it does. It like clamps down on speech to where, you know, everyone has a different reaction to it. Some people just like will toe the line and change their content and obey the masters. And so then their content gets worse and people stop listening. Or other people just say, ah, well, fuck you. I don't need you. And they go to other platforms. And the, the, essentially the censor is starving themselves from every angle of good content. And it's not sustainable. It won't last, you know. It makes their service suck. 
Yeah, and then they're burning a bunch of fucking time and resources playing whack-a-mole trying to pull these content creators from the various platforms that... uh, because you, you can you can go live on Instagram to some fashion. You can mm-hmm. uh, you got Twitch and all these other dumbass platforms that we'll, we'll, we're all going to be ran out of town on them at some point. Um, maybe it'll even get to the point where we're such offending uh, non participators in society that we can't even access them. Which, again, in the grand scheme of things, is that necessarily a bad thing? Yeah, I I w- I'm fine with being banned from all the lame places. Yeah. Uh, here's a uh, part two, 922. The best that I can determine is that the, the majority of the videos that were flagged immediately were anything that we discussed in, uh, involving Epstein and, and where we mentioned the term ruling elite and the cabal. And we joke about, we joke around about everything. If you listen to the clips, we're joking around about all this stuff. But yeah, it's serious stuff, but, uh, we were often kind of like diplomatic. We don't know. So we err on the side of stuff. Uh, and we, we said we don't know it's a possibility with all this stuff, but there were clips five years ago when we were talking about that stuff that they flagged us on. So wonder, it's over I for wonder. us on YouTube. It's over. And that this whole idea of the cabal and Jeffrey Epstein, that just reeks of, well, these guys are obviously anti-Semitic. Or they just hate the Jews, which oh my God. is such a fucking pig-headed, piece-of-shit, low-hanging fruit go to for people that have no fucking concept well, of I would mm. say it's it's almost anti-semitic to make that hide, argument hide predators behind their jewishness so that you can't attack like predators and like child rapists like I'm sorry but well wasn't it wasn't it uh this last doesn't matter what kind of uh, ethnicity or religion you have if you're a child rapist you're fucking going down was it the last bowl after bowl where you're, uh, y'all were talking about um, this same concept in the Catholic Church and the Boy Scouts? Someone, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. They just get scapegoated constantly for uh, connections that don't necessarily exist. Right. Yeah, and you know, and by no means do I think that every Catholic priest out there is some child touching piece of shit. That's it, statistically impossible. Do I think there's a higher rate because? these types of people get protected by bigger players in the game. Yeah. I mean, it certainly looks that way, but does it include everybody? No, certainly Hmm. does not. Um, I think this next one is Joe. Who's one of the co-hosts. He echoes a point that Sir Bemrose brought up on the last uh, grumpy old Ben's. Cause I know, um, Darren O and Sir Bemrose have been talking about how to sort of branch out and get more eyes on the show or more listeners coming in and uh, whether or not they should move over to YouTube. And one of the bonus features when it comes to YouTube is they will generate a transcript for you, which is something Lavish and I have been looking into. Um, but a lot of the services, rightly so, are paid for because if people are going to sit there and take the time to transcribe by hand your show then they should be paid it's just not something (laughs) that we want to pay for at the moment you know (laughs) yeah definitely and i'm not rolling an endless bountiful time to try and do it myself um but uh joe brings up a really interesting point here 
It is like you said it in the Discord, Mike. It's a small show. It's it we don't have a giant audience. We have it's it's growing sort of at a at a slow uh, click, but um, I think once they did that closed caption auto detect language, you oh. know how YouTube does that. I think picking out words. You say yeah, they're just picking yeah. out the words, and it's like a T-shirt cannon with the with the sensors. T-shirt <laughs> cannon into a barrel of fish or something, you know? Yeah. I agree. Yeah, they're making little robots to do the enforcement, and the problem with that is the robots aren't very good enforcers. So it's just a fire hose of content that just gets flagged and attacked and one strike, two strike, all that crap. And uh, the last clip is from 923, which I think they ended up having to push that back a day because Mike had to work late or something. So I haven't actually listened through to the full episode but I thought this sort of um, resolved nicely the whole drama saga of them transitioning from YouTube to other platforms. Like they said, they're going to keep this channel open for just clips. It's going to be very curated. And um, at the end of the day, I, I, I really hope it works for them. I, I think clip channels, I mean, look how well Rogan did with his, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's just... It's it's going to be an issue of minding your fucking P's and Q's. And none of us want to do that. We just want to get out there and say what we got to say and be done with it and then bring it back up if we're hurting for content the next week. <laughs> right. Well, I think the solution is not necessarily to make content that panders to that, but rather just to clip the safe shit out of the content you already make. Because yeah. you know, it's like not... <laughs> It's not like we're always screaming about reptilians with every breath we take and all this stuff, you know. There's there's just jokes that are funny and so you're going to make it like come on. Well, if I was doing it right, I would be screaming about reptilians with every breath that I took. But there's always time to improve. <laughs> um but this episode is 923 and this is the last one that I have for OBDM. Uh it is a longer clip, but um I didn't want to break it up and here it is. The message is clear that they don't really want us on there. So YouTube primarily will be a a clips channel, I think, of some more of the the safer clips. Uh, It's just curious that we got two strikes at a very similar time that uh, Jason Burmas did and a whole host of other people. It is like they were sending out a message saying, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, uh, fly right, boys. Uh, Get it right or pay the price. And a lot of us, you know, Whatever. I mean, this is coming for a long time. Yeah, it is, it is strange. I heard you guys talking about that on the recent um, Union of the Unwanted, but this, this, the sheer number of people who are just, they're saying, look, it's, we're, we're basically playing whack-a-mole every week with, with YouTube because uh, everyone recognizes that's where the eyeballs are. That's where the, the viewers are. But if it's this much kind of back and forth with them just to kind of keep the channel up and running and what, we never know what we can talk about and now are we self-censoring so nuts with this let's look at Odyssey or Rockfin or Float or something else so it is it's very ambiguous because one of the clips they got us on was uh, a segment that I posted in 2015 2016 uh, right around there and we were talking about Antarctica and we went off on a tangent talking about how a lot of people went down to Antarctica like the uh, Secretary of State John Kerry, you had uh, Putin, you had the Pope, and we, we, we mentioned the ruling elite, and we mentioned uh, the term cabal, and we didn't say negative or positive things, we just mentioned that uh, members of the ruling elite were traveling down to Antarctica for whatever reason. 
they didn't like that. Like that, that for whatever reason, that gave us a flag on YouTube. Not it's not specific at all. And they got they they gave us like every one of the things they got us for was cyberbullying and harassment. Yeah, I noticed they were all under the same topic. So yeah, and and somebody pointed out I don't remember who it was, and apologies to to him, but uh, I don't remember who it was. But somebody on that last Unity Unwanted pointed out that a lot of this stuff has started to come down since YouTube implemented the auto uh, captioning system mm. because it it can listen to your words and thus it's scanning it, and clearly it's going back through and scanning that transcript. And even if you're saying the greatest thing in the world about the the cabal or whatever, I love. Hey, them. we we love the New World Order. Yeah, we love it. Um, th- there's like oh, New World Order banned, and then just they just dump your 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 show. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Back that ass up. Yeah, we're trying. We're trying to back that ass up. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they do the best drops. Man. Yeah, <laughs> he's definitely a king. And I've uh I've alerted the hogs to Midnight Mike. I, I hope uh that uh, union comes sometime in the future. I think it'd be pretty fucking hilarious. No doubt. Uh, so that wraps it up for OBDM. Uh, go give them some, li- some loving. Find their RSS feed for Christ's sake. That's a big issue that they've had is all of the viewers that they had on YouTube don't translate elsewhere. They don't move yeah. from the platform and it sucks. I mean, you definitely want to, I, I want to get our show Growing, I would love to see more and more people that enjoy the the fellowship that we have and the conversations that we have. I would love to see them come and and, and join us. But at the same time, would I necessarily want a bunch of flaky people that would only ever listen to us on this one particular platform? That is notorious. Case in point here for striking people down for saying literally the wrong words. Yeah, I mean, that's the wild thing where we are with the legacy. Because make no mistake, YouTube and Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, all these things are legacy social media apps now. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go to parties as a bartender and you're a fly on the wall, you're hearing the kids talk about how Facebook is literally for old people now. Like These kids don't have Facebooks in a lot of these parties I'm at. And uh, things are just slipping away out of that and so we're in a weird position right now for instance with youtube where if you have a show and you want to promote it and you're starting out promoting it you're not going to get any fucking action at all it's not going to be put into the algorithm if you have viewers on youtube right now it's either because you're one of the chosen ones or you toe the line or you've built that over time and so you have followers from when youtube didn't used to fuck with you like that right and there's uh, there's always a good chance that uh, your viewership has went down because you got the shadow bans or you're kind of pulled yeah, out of the exactly. regular algorithm or your notifications aren't firing so people don't know when stuff is out. Yeah, and I say annoying shit with my... I deleted my regular Twitters, but I still have the bull after bull one because it kind of feels like part of a thing you have to have or something. And, you know, I never get no fucking action on those. And part of it's because I don't use it often enough and part of it's because... It's not shown, you know, because I'm I'm a sarcastic asshole on there and I talk about the wrong things. And so, I don't know. It's just these, these the dying bullshit legacy apps should try to be doing your own infrastructure, kind of like what we're streaming on right now. Like, things that are on your URL. Don't make a user account on some other platform. Yeah. And then you always got uh, other platforms that are really, I shouldn't say under the radar, 
um, but no agenda tube. I know that they can go live and I will yep. definitely, cause there's a video aspect of our show that I would like to implement in the future. Uh, I don't know what it would look like, but I like playing with video a lot. Yeah. Um, and I even, <laughs> I, I got my fucking VHS camera from home. <laughs> like, let's go. I nice. will make this happen. Um, but uh, let me drop through some of these uh, ISOs here real quick. You can find us on the good old audio-only podcast. Audio-only. Always, always, always. I like it. Uh, this one's fun. But we would uh, have studios and lights and circuses and clowns and people on stilts. No clowns. No clowns. No, okay. nope, nope, no clowns. No, no clowns. Okay. <laughs> Instant veto. No clowns. No clowns. <laughs> this is a weird, wacky world that we're living in. This is pernicious shit. We try to have as much fun as possible with some of the darker topics. Where all the eyeballs are. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Enough goofing around. I'm bringing back the decorum to this uh, very prestigious show. The right. n- next show on stream show, uh, turns out that I have been aware of this gentleman for much longer than I actually realized back in the earlier parts of 2020 when I was trying to figure out where and what to uh, purchase as far as equipment. Um, I had made some mistakes, some missteps, I should say. Um, I.e., I have a Blue Yeti microphone sitting in the closet that is not being used. (laughs) Nice. But I had approached the situation with, and this is all on me, I was like, oh, well, this seems to be what everybody's using. And then I found this particular reviewer who said some decent things about it at the time i was like okay well this is uh this has made my mind up for me. Um, this has made my predetermined mind up for me already and uh <laughs> now that i've learned um and hence why it sits in the box in the closet but this show is bandrew says are you familiar with it i've heard i've uh put it on my radar but i haven't had a chance to listen to it yet I will say this dude probably has some of the best enunciation I have heard anywhere when it comes to people speaking on specifically the no agenda stream his his way. It was so easy to get in there to clip what he was saying because there was a clean break between every. That's uh, so nice. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, thanks for making my job easy for me this time. Oh my God. Isn't it great when there's just a gap? And uh, he's a funny dude, and I think this first clip illustrates that. Greetings, Earthlings, and welcome back to episode 264 of the BSP. My name is Bandrew. This is what I says. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) You know what? I did see, uh, I think it was Darren O who clipped uh, a piece of this when he uh, does the unboxing. Yeah, and he throws the box across the room, falls out of his chair. And that's when it first came up on my radar. I was like, oh, this looks funny, man. And that was the clip that that clip specifically is why I went and pulled this show because I saw him and I was like, holy shit, this is Bandrew because I've heard Darren O talking about him in various places. And then I realized I had watched a bunch of his shit last year. Uh, So it's nice to see that one of the memes in uh, the theater entertainment industry is it's a really small world. You never know who you're going to see, where, who you're going to run into. And it's cool to see that transition over into podcast land. Um, it's really neat. However, 
he is going through some, or was going through some similar problems like OBDM was, and that is YouTube bans. On Tuesday, the 22nd of June, 2021, I woke up and saw an email from YouTube saying that they had banned my YouTube account titled Bandrew Scott, and they claimed that it was due to spams or scams or commercially deceptive practices. I saw this when I was checking my email on my phone, so I jumped over to a computer and tried to log into my YouTube account, which hosts the Bandrew Scott channel and podcastage, and I got an error message, which I will have on the screen here if you're watching the video, and it stated that I was unable to access this Google product. At this point, I started thinking, okay, well, I guess it was a fun run running a YouTube channel. It's over. Time to get back to just focusing on my day job. But they did have an appeal form. So I submitted an appeal to the ban at 6 a.m. And once you submit that, they send you a confirmation email saying, we received your appeal. We will review this and it will take two days, if not more, to review your submitted appeal and determine if we are going to uphold the ban or reverse the ban. Being that it's supposed to take two days, if not more, to review and determine the actions they'll take with a ban, imagine my surprise when an hour later I got a response to my appeal and they said, nah, nah, you're banned. We have confirmed that you are banned for spam, scams, and deceptive com commercial behavior. You're gone. Be gone, fool. And we have upheld the ban. We will maintain your suspension slash ban. We got some <laughs> pretty good ices out of that one. It was banned for spam. <laughs> and? Be gone, fool. <laughs> <laughs> so, I... Uh, I've, I have one video on YouTube, just one, in the couple of years that I've had the account open. Um, I think it's just a video or a screen, uh, screen capture of the Plague Incorporated game when they initiated their fake news outbreak campaign. It's a little on the disturbing side, but... One thing that I've come to really recognize and appreciate that YouTube does is they don't tell you shit on what you did. You know, it's your cyberbullying or it's spam or it's hateful content. Like, it's just, it means nothing. <laughs> it literally <laughs> means nothing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And the appeals, he's right, man. I've had the appeals on Facebook and Instagram and they don't do shit. I think, I, I wonder if like plebe, plebe accounts just get a, automated appeals system too. the robot just like denies your appeal automatically hmm. yeah. and then maybe if you're like a blue checked guy then you actually get real appeals you know someone that uh maybe generates more viewership or something i don't know like yeah if you're just like a regular slave with no ties to anybody who's anybody and you well, don't have a big following then yeah then you're in into later clips he he kind of talks about the avenues where he has to go to find somebody that will actually have a conversation with him rather than these automated processes of, Oh, you can try an appeal. Oh, you know, we looked at it and nah, you're, you're done. You're done. Skis, bruh. You're out. Yep. Uh, here's clip three, but you can go to some form. I don't know where it is. He provided a link. 
Oh, and this is uh, someone in his Discord channel actually hit him up with the avenue to go to find um, this uh, uh, person or maybe a bot to talk to. And you can actually chat with a human or an AI that is very convincing to be a human and try to come to some resolution. I chatted with them for maybe 45 minutes trying to find out what led to this, why I was banned. And after 45 minutes, they said, we'll have to do a little bit more research. I will email you when I have determined what is going on and let you know what we can do. We'll let you know, sweetie. We'll let you know. You don't call us, okay? We call you. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, I'm just going to roll straight into clip four. But a few hours later, I got an email saying, yeah, we determined that your Bandrew Scott channel was banned for scam or for spam. It was banned for spam. And because of that, you can't access podcastage. Here is an appeal form. Submit an appeal. I was kind of disappointed by that response because I was anticipating they would look into it. See, this person does not post spam. I guess let's reverse the ban. But they did not do that. They said, go ahead and appeal. Yet I had already appealed a couple hours earlier. It had been upheld within one hour. But I figured, hey, I'll give it another shot. Maybe they flagged something in their system saying, hey, I spoke to this person and here's some more information. I just, it sounds like bureaucracy, but um, on methamphetamine. It's like, oh, you got to appeal to this appeal. And then once you get done appealing to that appeal, we'll have to have this form signed and triplicated and sent out to 70 different branches of various fucking bitches. And uh, maybe we'll get back to you. <laughs> fingers crossed baby yeah it's a fucking uh, hold your breath pat your tummy jump around three times in a circle you might get the response uh, response that you're looking for i think the cruelest part of the whole cancel culture is this like false sense of hope that you like still maintain somehow throughout the whole chain of it like yeah just tell me to fuck off from the beginning you know don't pretend like there's this appeals process <laughs> i know there's not yeah, it makes me wonder what YouTube's angle is because like if they, like they want you to like come crawling back, you know, they want you to be like, no, please, daddy, don't let me in, let me in. Yeah, and especially let's say it's um, not one of these two shows that we're kind of looking at, but someone that is fully bought in and relies on specifically YouTube to make all of their money, uh, whether it be the ads or the viewership whatever I, I don't know what what the math is for any of that um it's like a million views is about a thousand dollars or something um could be totally wrong this is a show of baseless speculations galore <laughs> uh, we know everything we talk about a hundred percent yes is gospel we're because we're podcasters so duh yeah uh and and if uh, <laughs> you should get a mic and tell me otherwise, if you disagree. <laughs> yeah. If you think that we're wrong, you're probably just misinformed, man. <laughs> That's all. We're just trying to spread the good word, you know? Hell yeah. Uh, I forget what this shorter clip's about. I went ahead, submitted an additional appeal, and I got an immediate response saying that you currently have an appeal in process or you have <laughs> appealed and it has been upheld. So you need to wait two weeks to try again to submit another appeal. 
It looks like uh, I think OBDM had said that they had uh, gotten banned till October or something. So it seems to be a little varying in the punishments because um, <laughs> the that the the. The beginning of the OBDM saga started right around the beginning of July, I want to say. So that's July, August, September, October, four months. Yeah. And um, like they were saying earlier, they couldn't even get to post the messages to the community boards or anything. They were barred from that. So they it was only people that were following them on Twitter, Instagram, or the Discord that knew that they weren't going to be going live on the show anymore. So you get totally locked out, and you got to appeal to the people. I'm not going to make the joke again, but it's weird. It's gross. Fuck YouTube, man. No doubt. You cannot appeal a banana, but you cannot appeal a ban. Yeah. <laughs> you cannot appeal a YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, clip six. And on Twitter, it's crazy that this has to happen on Twitter, but on Twitter, somebody tagged a YouTube liaison, which is somebody who helps content creators. They used to be a content creator on YouTube, and then they were hired by YouTube to act as some kind of public-facing spokesperson for creators. So they were tagged on Twitter and they must have done something behind the scenes because they said, okay, well, give me all the information. All right, let's go ahead and give Team YouTube a little bit of time to sort this all out. Let's not rush to anything. And then fast forward a couple of hours, Team YouTube replied and they stated that my channel was mistakenly banned for spam and they reinstated my channel. And then I also received an email saying, stating that the channel was reinstated and available again. The ban was overturned because it was done in mistake. And the thing, if he hadn't had found that route through Twitter, uh, an entity not related to YouTube, technically, I mean, they're all kind of in cahoots. They're all in the same daisy chain. <laughs> yeah, but the fact that you have to sidestep all of the YouTube routes to um, to get to this liaison, if I can, I, should I say Stasi member? I mean, that might be a little too harsh on my side, but I don't know. It's the same concept for sure, and it's kind of funny, man. That only furthers my point of like it's an auto process that actually doesn't work and you have to find a real person. So he just found a real person's Twitter account who happens to work in the department that can get it escalated. But without doing that, you're just stuck, but you're basically stuck in the call in menu, you know, right. You just keep pressing zero to get a human and it just keeps kicking you back to the main menu. And I don't think I'd actually clipped it, but one of the comments that he makes is, he doesn't even think that he would have gotten the traction that he did in order to catch the attention of this liaison if it hadn't had been for folks on Twitter amplifying his message and like starting, I shouldn't say harass, but they definitely made it known that, hey, liaison, you got to talk to this guy. Something, something is a foul. Yeah. Um, well, that's so. nice. I guess you can get it overturned in, in certain worlds. That's that's at least good to know. Yeah, I think the term was signal boost. Um, he was able to get it signal boosted from his followers. Uh, we're, we're about halfway through. We're almost done. I know this is on the long side for sure, but he does, he does a really succinct 
um, turn of events that I thought every angle that he approached was fairly interesting, and it was all stuff that I was completely unaware. Uh, one of the other things that he talks about is there is a workaround for when you get banned, and it depends on whether or not you got banned from YouTube or all of your Google accounts. And um, you should be careful when it when it comes to doing this, but if you weren't banned from your Gmail, or sorry, if you weren't banned from your Google you can still get in there and add co-creators to specific channels um, on your YouTube. But since mm-hmm. you technically are the person banned, you're still kind of riding this rocky precipice of um, getting found out, quote unquote. <laughs> skirting the band, skirting the band. <laughs> we have a dissident. We have a dissident. Seize uh, him. <laughs> Um, I wish that, uh, I wish that this ended up in a funnier, more lighthearted place, but this isn't going to be one of those episodes. I think anybody was concerned thinking that I was posting spam. Oh, sorry. I got a little ahead of myself. Um, would you like to know what the offending video was? Of course. Here we go. Go look at it. Go look at the the channel. It's me reading Grimm's fairy tales, trying out wooden versus polyurethane guitar picks to see to see the difference in tone, and also a couple videos about watches and microphone identification in horror films. It's as far from I, I post maybe oh once God. a month. I haven't posted in over a month, so I don't think it could be classified as spam. In case anybody was concerned that. I was actually posting spam. I was not. Yeah. Pretty harmless shit, I would say. Dude is just so groundbreaking that, like, the algo thinks he's spam because they don't understand him. He's ahead of his time, you know? Well, shit's going to take a little bit of a darker turn. Uh, Here's clip number eight. I think this is where he starts getting into specific theories. First theory is YouTube made a change to the algorithm that handles their banning. And... When they were altering this, they must have changed some kind of threshold so that if a channel has a video with X amount of similar characters in the title or the description, or if somebody flags a video as spam X times, then YouTube will say, this is clearly spam or this is clearly nefarious content. Get rid of it. Because if it is, in fact, spam, if it is promoting some kind of commercially deceptive content or commercially deceptive item we need to get rid of that as soon as possible so that just sounds like you're kind of running the mill you're fighting the algorithm and the algorithm is tweaked out and it doesn't know what to do he actually had a really good uh (laughs) he does this kind of what he calls um uh conspiracy corner we need to go to the conspiracy corner which I'm always going to appreciate. And this is one of the lines from that segment. The algorithm must have heard that. It was offended and it wanted to receive its pound of flesh because I think I even said the algorithm demands a sacrifice. And part of that whole conversation was uh, uh, referring to an earlier episode where he was saying, no matter what you do, and even you had brought this up, so there's merit to this definitely for anybody that does make YouTube that happens to be listening to us. Don't change your content for the algorithm. 
one of the other things that he had brought up is uh, in a j- more joking fashion is he had kind of wished that something exciting would happen. So it would give him something to talk about. There was a lull in YouTube news um, that he could cover. So he, he's kind of musing to himself like, oh, did I say something that pissed off the algorithm and <laughs> now it wants its pound of flesh back or <laughs> something? <laughs> it's like uh, Patrick I mean, Bateman. The fact you even got to worry about that being a like legitimately likely option is is concerning enough, you know. For sure. Yeah, it's like, is the can the can, can the algorithm read context and sarcasm? I doubt it. No, I doubt it. Um, here's clip number nine, and this is when I was starting to get a little chilled out. But my second theory is what I actually think it is. And I believe it has to do with comments, comments left by the Bandrew Scott channel. And the reason that I think this is none of my con- comments exist anymore. All of my comments from the Bandrew Scott YouTube channel have been deleted. Zero comments. And I am extremely disappointed by that because I had a comment on some iJustine video where they collaborated with, uh, with Linus. I never say, uh, I, I hate that I did that. And it had 12,000 likes. Huge comment. Amazing. I also make <laughs> dumb jokes on people's videos and they're all gone now. They're all gone. I'm so disappointed by that. So I, I feel like that was a big part of the Joe Rogan moving from YouTube and pulling all of his videos down is the, you know, everybody that spent all the time making these comments and the, they build up over the years, they're gone essentially, right? That community interaction has been removed. Yeah. Um, this was not something that it, it makes perfect sense that these comments would be stricken down and, and, and deleted. Um, if the video was pulled, um, it, it was just, it wasn't anything that I had really considered. Yeah. There's a part of that, I guess that's too bad, but, uh, you know, build not up treasures on earth, you know? Yeah. Uh, but once we start hearing, the sort of comments that he, and it wasn't even comments. I think it was just one comment. Um, it sounds like one comment might've spurred this whole thing. But I think it does come down to comments. And on the note of comments, either one of my comments was mass flagged and it finally surpassed the existing threshold that tells YouTube this comment is a legitimate spam or scam comment. And then they erase the entire account or they did change the threshold of how many flags a certain content has to have before they do ban it. That is my actual assumption about what happened. But then I started thinking of what comments I may have left from that account that would tick people off enough to lead to some kind of flag, enough flags to get banned. And I couldn't think of anything because as I mentioned, most of my comments are just dumb jokes left on people's videos or, hey, really great job, this was helpful because I like to leave positive positive confirmation on people's videos because YouTube comments can suck sometimes. So I like to leave little supportive, hey, go get them, you're doing great kind of comments. Cheesy, but that's what I like to do. But then I thought of one comment and there really is probably one comment that I have left that I think could have been mass flagged. What direction do you think this is going to go in? Mm. Did he do the hashtag where we go one, we go all everywhere? 
<laughs> no, I, I can see I, that getting some unwanted attention. Maybe. Yeah, that's uh, that definitely puts a target on your back for sure. Because um, what he tells me here tells me that there are eyes everywhere, and that is something that on a like a like a truly deep level freaks me out but it's kind of like that schrodinger's resolve that we were talking about before like on one hand i'm a little shaken but on the other hand i'm doubling down in that let's fucking do this you know yeah um there is uh i don't i don't want to spoil it there was a video from a youtube channel called allow y86 l-a-o w-h-y-86 and in this video, he was exposing some atrocities and all this information about concentration camps in China. And I left a comment saying, hey, thanks for sharing this. Thanks for standing up. Thanks for bringing light to this. It's really brave of you considering the CCP has been harassing you for years. Really strong of you. And I appreciate it. And I remember after I posted that, I got a number of notifications from people saying, Hey, screw you, American, you stupid American. We hate you. Or how dare you criticize this when this is going on? Shut up, idiot. All kind of comments like that. And that clip is also the source of this ISO. Hey, screw you, American, you stupid American. We hate you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now them's fighting words. Uh, do you get an idea of where this is headed now? Yeah. It's... yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a uh, man. We are in a fucking call it a spiritual war, call it a mimetic war. I don't know. Information war. Some Information war. Yeah, yeah. Someone. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It was. Uh, I think Einstein. He said, "Like, I don't know what the hell they're gonna fight World War Three with, but World War Four is gonna be fought with sticks and stones." Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> and it just makes your fucking eyebrows go up. Well, I think it's time that we finally unveil. And while I don't think that these folks were necessarily responsible for what happened to OBDM, um, with OBDM, it seems to be more of this, uh, you post in the transcript online and then the algorithm is going through and pulling select words. That seems to be a little more the case. Um, but it's coming from all sides. Uh, YouTube is not a quote-unquote safe space to exist as a content creator if you actually want to have any real impact and be a positive force of change in the world. It's just not going to happen here because of assholes like this. And on the note of the replies, I had heard discussions from Laowai86 and another content creator who covers stuff in China called Serpent Za, S-E-R-P-E-N-T-Z-A. And they had discussed this group of trolls from who are employed by the CCP. I think they're called the 50 Cent Army, something like that. And they discussed this method that they have to get rid of content that is critical of the CCP. And the way they do this is first leave comments and reply to stuff saying, this is a dumb idea, you're an idiot. Why don't you think about this, stupid American, stuff like that. And then they also mass flag stuff as spam and scams because all the algorithms, all these platforms 
are more likely to just get rid of something if it is a spam, a piece of spam, or especially if it's a scam. So they mass flag comments and videos to get rid of stuff that is critical to the CCP. That is my theory about what actually happened. But this could be completely wrong because YouTube doesn't share a freaking single piece of information about what actually happened. So I'm left here just feeling around in the dark saying what actually happened. And I'd say his finger is pretty fucking close to the pulse on that one. Yeah. Uh, fuck the 50 cent army, man. <laughs> 50 cent. CCP, you mit. <laughs> 50, 50 cent douchebags. Fuck them. <laughs> Fuck them. Yeah, that's what happens when you let your uh, institutions and your companies and your code be infiltrated by foreign governments. Hmm. Or I don't I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, you know. They're in there, dude. They're behind the keyboards. It's, it's the, it is, it's like they're saying, it's the Chinese Communist Party banning everybody and saying, fuck you, a stupid American. And Well, let me, this wasn't part of my original questioning, but... It made me realize or think back to something. What do you think about JCD's uh, proposal to start changing up the nomenclature to the CPC, the Chinese uh, Party of China, or excuse me, the Communist Party of China? Chinese Party of China, yeah. I mean, it's it might be kind of splitting hairs at this point, but it gets a little closer to the target of what this group is actually about. Yeah, it's interesting. Words are cool, man. Words are dangerous. Oh, yeah. We love them dangerous. That's the way I like them. <laughs> the same way as I like spicy food, you know? <laughs> like, I like what nourishes me to also hurt me a little bit. Mm. Just a little bit. I don't really remember what this last clip is. I really do apologize for these being more on the long-winded side. I've tried to back off in a big way. It's uh, like the two-guy show takes longer. What's up with that? Yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's uh, all good, man. But uh, this is my last one. It's just, you Breaking know, rules, man. Fuck the rules. when uh, when you sit here and you're looking at the full story, it's, you know, I just, I thought it was, I don't know. Well, I'll have to get a little tighter for sure. I need to be tight, tighter. Tight. Uh, this is my last one. If these theories that they have put forth are true, if this methodology that they have put forth is true, where the 50 cent army mass flags comments and videos as spam to get them erased that would make perfect sense and it is very effective because even though i have the ban reversed guess what does not show up again my comment thanking laowai86 for making this type of content making sure that the comments that are critical of the ccp are erased forever unless the people who are banned and then get the ban reversed remember what they wrote then go back to these videos and type it again which i'm guessing most people do not do they have been successful in silencing that opposition he just wraps it up so nicely there it's about the fucking comments of all goddamn things yeah it had nothing to do with the with the guitar picks that he was using has nothing to do with the grim fairy tale fucking uh, shit that he was reading. It was, it seems to be baseless speculation solely because he thanked someone for pointing out atrocities. Yep. Yeah. You made yourself a problem in the, in the eyes of the commies. And so then they're just going to come after you because they can, because they have the keyboard. That's the only reason.
because we've built this infrastructure that allows them to do that to us. Like, let's we just stop using that shit. And I guess my last point. At this point, uh, I'd say it's a national security risk. Yeah. I just, my last kind of point on this, and we'll wrap up, is it's really fun to do what we do. It's really cool. It's exciting. It's engaging. It really gets the juices flowing, but this shit's serious. And I don't feel like I really need to hammer that point home for um, any listeners or any other content creators. I just, I, I want to emphasize that this is, we're, we're fucking, we're here. Like <laughs> whatever yeah. here means it's you, here and it's happening. Everyone's going to get the amount of freedom that they demand and defend, you know? Yeah. Are you, are, you know, do you want, do you just want your cup of coffee or do you want fucking fresh air freedom, motherfucker? <laughs> <laughs> I know what I want. <laughs> Maybe that was a bit of a stretch, but, um, I, that wraps me. I'm, I'm fucking done. Thank you for, uh, spending a little extra time. I, we've overshot no agenda by about 40 minutes today. Uh, I'll catch up. I'll catch up. Yes. Yes. Um, but yes, thanks for keeping it rolling, man, because this is a really good way for, you know, even, even myself coming on and then listening while I'm off. I get to hear the stuff that I'd, know that I need to check out, but I don't necessarily have time or reasons to. So thank you for keeping this rolling and putting more stuff in front of people in like a accessible way. I think it's cool. Hell yeah, man. And, uh, I, I greatly appreciate the, the time that you've spent with us doing it. You are always welcome anytime, any place, anywhere. Let's fucking yeah. do it. And, I'm uh, try to get Lorian to do one. Hell yeah. I w- we would love to see her on. And, uh, for any of those of you listening, uh, this is kind of a newer concept. Uh, we're still working out some shit, but if you have a microphone and you have a way to connect to the internet and you got some shit that you would like to highlight, hit me up. Uh, probably no agenda social would be the best place at boo Barry, excuse me, at boo underscore Burry Mothman. Um, or you can, email me at booberry uh god what is my email <laughs> behind the schemes at uh... yeah email me at behind the schemes instead instead of my quote-unquote personal email behind the schemes sch3m3s at protonmail.com uh we would love to see you on and uh this is pretty much open for anyone will might do like a little vetting thing just to get people on board with uh the sort of shit that we try and bring but then that probably wouldn't matter because Rules are just going to get broke anyways. Truth. Um, hell yeah. Well, that was that was super fun. Here's some music to play us out. I don't know if you got any other plans for today. It's been no agenda. Have up to my dad's house. Hell yeah. Well, I'm going to go do some grocery shopping. Maybe take a shower first. <laughs> there you go. Got to do it clean. Always. Clean and free, motherfuckers. Right. I've been Booberry, Mothman, and the Miniocalypse, and if you like the stupid shit that I say, you can check us out at loveislit.com and uh, listen to the show I do with Lavish every Monday nights, and that's Behind the Schemes. I've been Sir Spencer Wolf, Kansas City, of bowlafterbowl.com. Join us again next week. Aw, yeah. Have a good one, y'all. We need to go to...
the conspiracy corner. No clown. No clown. Be gone, fool. The algorithm must have heard that. It was offended, and it wanted to receive its pound of flesh, because I think I even said the algorithm demands a sacrifice. They don't want us talking bad about sex robots anymore. This is pernicious shit. We try to have as much fun as possible with some of the darker topics where all the eyeballs are. What are the conspiracies that I have? It was banned for spam. You can find us on the good old audio-only podcast. Hey, screw you, American, you stupid American. We hate you. But we would uh, have studios and lights and circuses and clowns and people on stilts. No clowns, no clowns, no clowns. No no clowns. (laughs) YouTube must be listening, and they are like some kind of evil wizard. This is a weird, wacky world that we're living in.